This is Coach Andy Copeland, head coach of the Water Dogs Lacrosse Club, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Fidel scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. I'm here with Andy Copeland, head coach of the Water Dogs Lacrosse Club, newest team joining the PLL this season. Coach Copeland, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coach, we're going to talk the Water Dogs roster you drafted recently uh, in the upcoming PLL season. But before we do, I actually want to kind of go back to your playing experience. Uh, you were a four-year starter with Bucknell as a midfielder, helping the Bison to four consecutive Patriot League titles and the program's first ever NCAA tournament berth in 2001. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments playing at Bucknell? Yeah, I'm a proud uh, Bucknell Bison alumni. Uh, their their current head coach right now, Frank Federaco, was an assistant. He was actually the fellow who recruited me there. And uh, yeah, all my all my best friends uh, still to this day are, are fellow Bucknellians. And uh, you know, just a just a great balance of uh, you know kind of strong academics and, and, and great athletics, and just an overall great like collegiate experience. But I uh, but I but I love Bucknell. I uh, I, uh, I always will. It's kind of near and dear to my heart. Awesome. No, that's that's great. And then, you know, after your playing career, you headed to Coach Marist from 2004 to 2005 and then were an assistant at Maryland until 2008 before spending over 10 seasons with Fairfield University. Talk about what got you into coaching and how has your coaching style evolved over the years? Yeah, so I uh, I originally went into New York. I did the whole Wall Street thing probably for, I don't know, four or five months, something like that. Um you know, there's there's kind of a a hurt mentality from from Bucknell into the city, and I kind of fell uh, fell into that. I, I, I thought that's what I wanted to do, and quickly realized it wasn't. Uh, so had had kind of that pivot at at 22, and uh, you know, again, I, I just referenced Coach Federaca, but he had connected me with at the time uh, Edgar Glasgow was the head coach at Marist, and uh, and I went there as his kind of graduate assistant. He ended up probably a month into that whole gig leaving for for something else, and uh, and I got the interim head coaching tag, and we you know we did a, a I guess a decent job there in year one, and ended up becoming a full time head coach at uh, at a young right age there. Um, that ultimately kind of springboarded me down to the University of Maryland when when Coach Cottle was was nice enough to to kind of you know kind of knock on the door and uh, ask to speak with me. And then from Maryland went to went to Fairfield and had an eleven year career at Fairfield and loved every bit of it and uh, you know we'll, we'll continue to root for that program uh, from from afar uh, but yeah I uh, I was sixteen years coaching in the Division One world and uh, it was a great experience. No, that's great and you know you recently stepped down as coach at Fairfield to take a job at Greenwich Country Day School um, and then you know a couple months later you were hired as the first coach of the Water Dogs Lacrosse Club. Talk me through the hiring process and what kind of convinced you to make the jump to the pros. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll talk briefly just about Greenwich Country Day. So they now have a high school. Uh, so that basically is what prompted all these all these new hires. So they have, uh, you know, kind of a fully formed freshman class. And then we're going to kind of build with that freshman class all the way until it's, you know, until it's a, it's a full high school. It's a private level that's competing in the FAA and the NEPSAC. And my wife's actually the women's coach and I'm the boys coach. And we're, we're all into that thing as a family. And, and it's funny because that, that it really parallels everything that's going on at the PLL level with the water dogs too. I'm kind of in these, these two like parallel universes building at both the high school and the professional level. 
but uh, but the PLL, uh, I guess, kind of interview process was was great. I mean, it was really thorough. Met some wonderful people. I think they have outstanding leadership in that organization, and uh, I like everything that the PLL is is about, what they stand for, and how they're going about their business. So thrilled to thrilled to be involved there at a at a fairly early stage, and uh, and hope to be hope to be around for a while. No, that's fantastic uh, to see those parallels, and you know it's it's awesome too to hear that you're. Uh... You're, you have a whole family of lacrosse coaches, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. The Copeland family's all in the country day, and we got we got two little ladies at home, and you know, Kate, who's my wife, and I. We we've been talking about just you know, is it time for kind of a pivot away from the college world? Just because I mean, look, those those coaches grind, and they're they're away from their families during the summer during the recruiting process, and um, you know, it, it made sense for for a number of years, but just kind of got to the point where it felt like a pivot was appropriate, and. Uh, left on great terms with Fairfield. Like I said, still really care about that school and the kids in that locker room. But uh but it was just time for time for a change and now I can kinda, you know, scratch the edge of what I was missing at the division one competitive level with with obviously doing it at the highest level of our sport, which is the PLL. So it's uh it's all worked out really well. No, that's great. And you had a, a tough challenge in your your first tough challenge as head coach of the War Dogs, drafting this roster uh, you recently drafted them, and I, what stood out to me really the most is the versatility of the players you drafted. Um, you know, you drafted a lot of guys who can play all over the field. You know, we saw Connor Kelly, your first overall pick, on um, Ben Reeves, both get time on attack as well as out of the box last year with the Whip Snakes. You had some two-way middies like Kyle McClancy and Con- Ryan Conrad, uh, and then defenders you drafted like Brody Merrill and Brian Carolunas, uh, who can play both close defense and LSM. You know, was versatility an important factor when drafting this team? Yes, yes, that, that's a great synopsis, and and yes, a thousand percent. I mean, one of one of our challenges is our our game day roster is eighteen, so you know that's uh, uh, you just got to be very strategic with those eighteen picks. You need guys that you can kind of move around within the within the framework of what you're trying to do. Uh, and yeah, that was that was very intentional. I think the two things that kind of will define that draft class were were exactly what you just mentioned: the versatility piece. And then the second part is just making sure that we have a good balance of experience and inexperience in all positions. And I think we uh, we accomplished both of those things. Yeah, no, you mentioned the the balance between, you know, getting some young guys and some veteran leadership. Uh, you drafted some veteran leadership in Drew Snyder and Brody Merrill, both who have seen a ton of success in professional lacrosse. Um, speak on that importance of getting some veteran guys on this team, and what do you think Drew and Brody can really bring to the table with this Water Dogs roster? Yeah, sure. So I said, I said in, a, in a different interview that I that I did that uh, I mean, if you kind of break down the sport of lacrosse into just all the various positional categories, you have you have goalie faceoff, you have close defense, you have LSM, you have short stick, D midi, O midi, and attack. Mm-hmm. And in all in all seven of those categories, we took a guy that has real real experience um, and just a little bit you know a little bit older, kind of approaching their 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 thirties and uh, and that was very strategic. I just wanted guys who who kind of knew the knew the deal. And, uh, and we're very comfortable, uh, you know, kind of with the responsibility that is being a part of this Water Dogs uh, lacrosse club. I mean, there's going to be a lot of eyes on what we're doing, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't have a, a roster full of just rookies who were who were pretty green. Mm-hmm. But that was very strategic. And then the two gentlemen that you mentioned, so I actually recruited Drew Snyder uh, when I was an assistant coach down at Maryland. So I've known Drew for a long time now, and he's he's one of my all-time favorites. And I uh, I'm really proud of the, the the college and professional career that he's had. I uh, I, th- I think, you know, I'm, I'm a believer that his best stuff is not behind him. I think he still has a few years left in him here, and we're uh, we're going to be with him here until he decides to, to step aside from the sport. But 
he's uh, he's rock solid as a person, as a teammate, as a locker room guy, as a leader. I just feel really really strongly about Drew. And then Brody is. I mean, but Brody's arguably you know one of the top two or three players ever to play the ever ever to play the game. So, you know, how do you how do you not not go with Brody? I mean, I just think it's instant respect, instant credibility. Um, he'll he'll be he'll be a coach on the field. He, he's very like. Uh, I mean, obviously well-connected in the lacrosse world, but he's more, I, I think, his, his value defensively is just to kind of connect the entire defense and kind of, you know, I, I've always been a, a system-first guy defensively, and you need guys who have good, you know, good kind of IQs about them and just understand the flow of the sport and understand the flow of, you know, how you have to play defense within a short shot clock, and we're going to lean on Brody tremendously, but I'm uh, I'm fired up to be in the same locker room as him, no doubt. No, that's incredible, you know, to, to have a guy of his caliber on your, your roster. You know, I think, yeah, obviously it's a no-brainer. You got you got to draft him. Um, talk about, though, how hard it was to, you know, draft just 18 guys. I know you talked to Dan Arestia, uh, one of our contributors. You know, how hard was it, you know, getting it down to 18, your list? Uh, what was kind of the vetting process that you did when coming up with this list of 18? And were there any guys that, you know, you really were considering that just didn't make the cut? Yeah, yeah. Stopping at 18 was a real challenge. I mean, we, we, we must have realistically probably talked about 50 guys. Um, I mean, I think we probably got close to 30 on the phone. And then it was a lot of phone calls with their former college coaches or other guys who, we you know, we, we kind of know that have a connection to the professional world. Um, so we, we just wanted to make sure that, you know, it's that whole line about getting the right people on the bus. Like that was critically important to us. So there definitely was an element of just like character guys and team first guys. And then there was an element of, uh, you know, like you, you don't necessarily want to take like the, the best 18 individual players. Like you, you really have to try to be strategic in terms of how you want to build a team. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kind of told you those, those couple very old goals that we, we put up on a pedestal there going into yep. the draft. Um, but yeah, it, it was a challenge. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we sent some really good players back to their original ball clubs that we're going to have to compete against. And that's, you know, that's not a fun thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you just, you know, the, the original six coaches had to stop at 11 with their protected rosters and we had to stop at 18 with this expansion draft. So it's just all part of the process. No, absolutely. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, the fact that you had, you know, you talked to, you know, 50 guys and you got 30 on the phone, it, it just shows the process that you guys, you know, went through to kind of get to this final 18, um, and there was one guy that made the roster, uh, you know, Charlie Cipriano, who a lot of people were kind of shocked uh, you took at goaltender because there was some obviously some top goaltenders out there as well at his caliber. But um, not to pump my own tires, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, I kind of predicted that you would go with Charlie. There's obviously the Fairfield connection there. But I think you've mentioned before, too, his past pro experience, you know, starting for the Charlotte Hounds for two years uh, was an even better reason to draft him. So talk me through the decision to draft Charlie and what excites you the most about coaching him again? Yeah, well, what excites me most is I think just, just you know, there's, there's these, like, life moments where they, they kind of come full circle for you. This is one of them for both Charlie and I. I mean, I was his college coach, and now to kind of re- reunite with him, you know, whatever it is, kind of eight years removed from that, I think it's a, it's a pretty cool storyline. But, um, you know, again, this was not a – it was not like a loyalty thing for me to Charlie, although I obviously am loyal to, to all players that I've coached and their families and people that I really care about. Um, it, it, it really – that wasn't at the crux of this thing for me. It was it was very objective. We wanted a guy that had experience. Um, Charlie's had, you know, a, a number of years of, of, of experience at the professional level. I mean, he was Jesse Schwartzman's backup for a few years. Then he kind of ran yep. the show there at Charlotte for Charlotte for a couple of years. And, 
you know, even this last year coming out of training camp, I mean, Coach Towers will tell you the same thing. It was a coin flip between him and Blaze, and they, they ended up going with Blaze. Blaze goes on to be, you know, goalie of the year in the PLL. So I think there's a lot of things that point to Charlie's real talent, and uh, and I give him all the credit in the world because regardless of whether he was the starter or he was the backup, he's always just conducted himself with the utmost professionalism, and he uh, he really loves and cares about lacrosse in his personal professional career. So, um we feel really good about Charlie. I, uh, I think, uh, you know, if Charlie does end up getting the nod and we kind of name him the starter, I, I, I think people will kind of understand what I'm talking about uh, when, they, when they see this guy compete. No, absolutely. I mean, we saw a few moments last year. You know, if, if you didn't watch the MLL prior, you know, even last year we saw Blaze go out for a few moments and Charlie step in and, you know, the chaos really didn't miss a beat when he was in cage. So, no, I think it's a great choice. And going off of that, too, um, you know, you talk about, you know, you, you wanted to build a team that you guys could put on the field right now. And I think you've done that, but there are obviously are some positional needs you probably still want to fill, um, in the entry draft and college draft. Can you speak on that a little bit? What are you hoping to add, I guess, without going into too much detail, but what are you hoping to add in this, uh, entry draft and then this college draft this spring? Sure. I, I think we'll just have the ability to be a little bit more specific. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we only took one goalie, one face-off guy. I mean, we need to go ahead and, and grab at least one more in both of those positions, uh, potentially two more. Um, you know, we only have four defensemen right now. So, obviously, that's going to be an area that we're going to have to, you know, bulk up with two, three, four more guys. Um, and then, you know, one of the reasons why I kind of stopped at, at, at four attackmen is because you, you understand how many really talented senior attackmen there are in college right now. You know, and that was that was one of the – I mean, look, right, we passed on Miles Thompson. You passed on, on Curtis Dixon. I mean, these guys are complete studs, but I didn't want to make the mistake of, of going down to training camp with, like, 10 or 12 attackmen. I don't really think that does anybody, um, you know, any good. So, you know, th- there was a lot of a lot of uh, thoughtfulness that kind of went into the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, those are some areas that I think we'll, uh, we'll have to figure out once we, you know, figure out kind of where we fall in the whole lottery for the entry draft. And, uh, you know, the trade window opens here in a couple of days here, so we'll see what kind of movement there may be, um, you know, up until both of those draft days. But uh, we'll make sure that we're prepared for sure. And then I- I'm not sure if you – no, where are you guys drafting in the college draft? Are you drafting at seventh, or are you drafting? Have they decided that yet? Yeah, I think we have the third pick in the first round, and then I think we have the first picks in rounds two, three, and four. So, I mean, we feel we feel really good about that. I mean, obviously, you know, we'll we'll have to go four for four there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see who's available to us. I mean, obviously, if you if you're looking for a face-off guy, everyone's going to be you know trying to strategize to try to get TD. But there's some other really good face-off guys there on the board. And then, uh, yeah, I mean that 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 whole class is is exceptional. So uh, I, I would imagine all seven ball clubs are are really happy with their with their college draft picks. It's just a matter of how you how you plan on uh, you know kind of injecting them into your lineup and in your team culture. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned, too, about with the attack. I mean, you got, you know, Michael Sowers, Grant Ament, um, Mac O'Keefe, uh, Jeff T. I mean, you have so many guys that you guys could end up going with, too, there and adding another piece there, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think you guys are going to be in pretty good shape, and this college draft is going to be really exciting to watch because there's so much talent. Um, there's really no clear number one in my mind. Um, you know, it, you, you know, a lot of people talking about Sowers and Ament, but, you know, you, you never know, like, what position – uh, these coaches, including yourself, decide to go with. So I think it's exciting. Um, and then my final question for, you know, going into the season, 
uh, is you obviously have to, you obviously have the opportunity to kind of you know create uh, your own uh, culture with the Water Dogs. What type of culture are you kind of hoping to build, and what are your expectations for year one? Uh, culturally, I, I, I mean, it's really important that we just have like really good people in our, in our locker room. I mean, I know it's, uh, it, you know, the whole line about how you win with people, right? I think that certainly applies in sports. It applies in business. It applies pretty much everywhere, but just like who you choose to surround yourself with and align yourself with is, is important to me. So that's a big part of, of, uh, of who I want us to be culturally. And then, uh, and then offensively, I just want to have a really good, uh, you know, kind of kind of ball movement based offense where uh, it's not everybody just standing around looking at a guy, you know, kind of dodge and go and try to make an exceptional individual effort. Like it's a it's a team sport. So you have to play team offense. You need guys that can that can you know get to the rack, but then you need guys that can play away from it and they're they're unselfish and they're thinking about kind of what's best for their teammate instead of what's best for themselves. And if uh, and if guys can kind of play within that general, um, you know, kind of I guess ideology there, then they, they, then I think hopefully you should be able to generate some pretty high quality shots, and, and then you can hopefully outscore some people. And then defensively, I want you know I want I want us to have like a really good system. I don't know that we're going to be like super matchup conscious. Um, <laughs> I, I think we just need to be very good systematically. We need to kind of account for, for the two ball. Uh, got to do a great job defending transition. You know, I imagine everybody this year is going to look at what Coach Towers and the Chaos did last year, just really doing a good job going from defense to offense. And people are going to try to emulate that some. So, you know, that's kind of where, where we're tinkering around with maybe doing a little bit more of a two-way midi model and uh, and trying to sub a little bit less. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, – We'll see here, but I uh, I really like the way that uh, you know kind of the initial stages of our of our team has been assembled, and uh, and I think we have a lot of optionality, so that's never a bad thing. No, definitely. I think that sounds like you know the right plan going into the season, and you know you you got some key guys too, like you said, the some unselfish guys like a Ben McIntosh and you know Westberg that you can really like fit in there, and um, yeah, I'm excited for this Water Dogs team. I, I'm not gonna lie, so uh, yeah, I'm excited for what you guys get to do in year one. So uh, let's take a quick break uh, here for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our 5-5 five and five segment. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, the Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Now it's time to go to our 5 and 5. So I'm going to ask you five lacrosse questions and then five off-the-field questions. Uh, these are supposed to be a, you know more fun answers, uh, kind of just to get to know you more as a person, um, as a coach. Um, so the first one I'll go off with the lacrosse questions is, what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you have? Hey, I don't know that I'm 
too superstitious. I uh, uh, let me think here. I mean, I guess when we were kind of going through like some win streaks here, you know, collegiately. I mean, your your wardrobe consistency kind of became, um, you know, a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not huge into that uh, into that world really. Okay. Uh, number two, what has been the toughest thing about all this media attention that you've been getting as the coach of the Water Dogs, uh, whether it be the draft or you know, you know, doing interviews like this even? Yeah, I mean, the toughest thing really is just just you know, I was pretty pretty inept with the whole social media thing. So thank God for my wife; she uh, she understands that world and she has been very helpful. But just trying to trying to play catch up there with uh, with all things social media has been uh, has been a little bit new to me. Awesome. Uh, number three, what has been your favorite venue to play or coach lacrosse at? Uh, you know, playing in Berg Stadium when I was in Maryland, I thought was really cool. I mean, obviously we played down at Homewood. Uh, I think Denver's Denver Stadium out there is, is spectacular. We played in the Horseshoe uh, at Ohio State, and then obviously in uh, in Michigan's football stadium. Um, and then, you know, one time at Fairfield, we played up at Rentschler Field, which is UConn's, uh, UConn Stadium. I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. So I know I just could get a whole, a whole lengthy answer there. I don't know that I could differentiate one of those places, but, uh, but a lot of cool venues, and I'm sure we'll have more of the same this summer. So that's an exciting part of this. Yeah, no, a lot of variety there. And yeah, it looks like, you know, we had a few, uh, you know, familiar lacrosse venues added to this schedule, but uh, they're going, you know, to some different venues as well, like Minneapolis and Dallas, which are probably pretty exciting too. So, yeah, the PLL is doing some some cool cool stuff with their scheduling. They got some so they got some smart people making those decisions, and they're you know obviously what they're doing in terms of kind of pairing certain cities with kind of youth tournaments that are in those cities around the same time. I I love it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and and, and really great for the sport uh, at large. No, I, I think so too. I think that's always been a dilemma is getting, you know, a lot of these uh, youth players to these games during the summer because, you know, parents are bogged down with taking them to tournaments. So if you, you make it a little easier on them and pair them with these events, I, th- I think it's a, a no-brainer. Number four, who is a coach that you've leaned on as a mentor during your career? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Frank Federaca and Sid Jamison, who I played for at Bucknell, uh, Dave Cottle from, from Maryland. I mean, he's, you know, he's, He's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches, just a wonderful man and coach. Um, you know, Bill Tierney, who I've never had the privilege of, of working with, but I just I, I love kind of how, how accessible he is to, to kind of young up-and-coming coaches. He's, uh, he's unbelievable. Same thing can be said for Coach Petromala. Uh, and then, uh, and then I'll give you a throwback. So when I was at Fairfield, I overlapped a little bit with Mike Walvogel. Uh, who was Coach Moran's assistant coach up at Cornell, and then was a longtime head coach at Yale before uh, before Coach Shea, and he uh, he's an unbelievable man, and just uh, just getting some time with him uh, that's something that I always really uh, really cherished. Awesome, yeah, a lot of a lot of good names on that list, a lot of you know established coaches, so I like it. Um, and then going off the coaching theme, which PLO coach uh, of one of the other six teams are you looking forward to coaching against the most this summer? I mean, you know, uh, it's kind of a loaded question there. I, I've I've known all of these guys kind of at different levels, and I don't know that there's there's one coach or team that we're you know that we're looking at as a as a real rivalry game. I just think it's it's an uber competitive league where everybody's trying to you know kind of beat the guy that they're standing across from. So, uh, you know, we're going to be trying to do that uh, with with whoever we compete against, and they're going to be trying to do the exact same thing to us. And, you know, we're we're the new guy to the block here, so I expect us to get everybody's best shot. Awesome. 
Uh, that's the lacrosse questions. Now for the off-the-field stuff, uh, the first one I'll ask is, who is a non-lacrosse coach that you really admire and kind of, you know, maybe even take aspects of when coaching yourself? <sighs> God, I, mean, I, I read a lot of those books, the John Wooden stuff, the, you know, Pat Summit stuff, the Bill Belichick stuff, Parcells. Um, God, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an Urban Meyer fan. So, yeah, all – all those coaches. I mean, I think any anybody who has kind of emerged at, at the top of their respective sport. I mean, I think you can you can you know, kind of pluck some really valuable stuff from. Awesome. And uh, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not coaching lacrosse? Uh, spending time with my family. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned Kate, my wife, and we got two little ladies, Kenzie and Tegan, and they're uh, they're everything to me. So I'm uh, you know I, I just like spending time around them. Awesome. What are what are some of your favorite spots to go in uh, Fairfield? You know, whether it's like a restaurant or you know just a place to go and visit. Yeah, geez, there's a couple good spots. Local is a great spot. Uh, Centro is a great spot. Um, yeah, you know, Craft Two Sixty. There's a bunch of really good spots there that are just kind of, kind of, uh, just you know, American, you know, kind of good craft beer spots, and uh, you know they can allow the kiddies to run around and Kate and I to have a good meal and a cocktail. So that's, uh, those are some good spots there. Awesome. And that kind of goes into number four. What is your favorite meal? And do you prefer to dine out, take out or cook at home? Uh, I, uh, I like to grill. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of do that plenty during the summer and just let the kiddies run around the backyard. Uh, Kate is very good in the kitchen, uh, but we, you know, we both have pretty good schedules. So, uh, you know, there's some, there's some takeout and sometimes we'll just kind of look for an excuse to get the kids out of the house for a couple hours. So we actually had them out at Hibachi last night, which was a lot of fun. And then, uh, I mean, I guess if I was going to the chair and I had one meal left, it, I'd, I'd, I'd probably keep it pretty traditional and just go, just go surf and turf and, you know, for dessert, maybe, maybe take on a couple cannolis, um, big, big cannoli guy. Yeah. Awesome. And then number five of the off-the-field questions, what's a book on your bookshelf that you've read or are reading right now, or it can be a, a podcast that you like to listen to that you'd recommend recommend to one of your players or fellow coaches? Yeah, uh, two books. There's one called Chop Wood, Carry Water. It's a great uh, It's a great book. It's a quick read, maybe 100 pages, but it's all about uh, kind of becoming great at the process. And then, uh, and then there's another one called The Captain Class. Which, I love that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, a, a lot of people kind of in the coaching world have, have read that one. But uh, those are those are two as of late. But there's got there's a there's one called Make Your Bed. That's a really good one. There, there's a there, there's a lot of good, uh, you know, kind of coaching coaching books that, that I've come across that, uh, you know, I, I think I think coaches who are really any good at what they do, you're constantly trying to just improve. Uh, and you got to start with yourself. So uh, I, I, uh, I enjoy that stuff for sure. Yeah, no, I'll have to check out uh, the Chopped Wood Carry Water one. I haven't read that one. Uh, Captain Class, though, one is excellent. I just, it's interesting how he goes into the little idiosyncrasies of what make these captains, you know, who they are that you really don't expect, you know, kind of unconventional. So I really enjoyed that one. No doubt about it. It's, and they're not all, they're not all, you know, the, the same. Like, there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of lead. And I think it starts with just, just kind of being yourself. So yep. a, lot of, a lot of good stuff out there for sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, this has been great, Coach Copeland. I really appreciate your time. One question I will like to end on that we, we ask all our coaches and players, uh, what is some advice that you have for a young coach that uh, is one day looking to you know coach lacrosse professionally? It, it, it's kind of what 
just said, and I got this from from Coach Cottle, who I mentioned was one of my one of my mentors. But he always says, if you stay the same, you get worse. And I, I I've always really taken that to heart. And the guys that I've coached have, have heard me say it. You know, at, at nauseum. I just uh, you constantly need to go ahead and improve because people around you are improving. So if you're if you're just staying the same and you're kind of resting on your laurel, people are going right past you. And um and yeah, that's that's something that I've always uh, I've always tried to live by. That's great. No, we really appreciate uh, that advice and the time that you spent with us, Coach Copeland. Uh, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we, we look forward to seeing what Water Dogs do in uh, year one. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.